0: Well, hey girl, welcome to She's Doing Big Things. I'm your host, Alicia Lee, the original she. Top income producer, Freedom Advocates serial entrepreneur, winner of all the things, world traveler, and now digital nomad, I've lived my entire life feeling a little different, dreaming a little bigger, doing a little more, and believing I was destined to have it all. So I can imagine if you're here, you get it. You're a dreamer, a doer, an entrepreneur, so you're ready to set some big goals and smash them. So with that in mind, let's freaking get started. Alright, welcome my darling doers to another episode of She's Doing Big Things. As we aim to make 2019 the best of the best and finish out strong, I know that there are so many of you out there who are going to attach to the message that our guest today is about to provide us. It's a necessary part of your business and your life. So I'm sure you're wondering, what is it? That's a great question. A lot of people refer to it as the mindset of your highest self. I like to think it's the confidence to do what you feel called to do, but I think that Paige best exemplifies it in her work as a high-performance mindset coach for life and business. Paige Williams personifies this as a walking billboard for not only herself, but also for the clients she coaches and the D1 athletes she gets to work with on a daily basis. She is not only an athlete herself, but she is a high-level coach working with one-on-one clients in mindset shifts, confidence, so that they can feel better and thus perform better. Sounds pretty good to me. She has been a guest speaker, y'all, for over 300 athletes and parents, as well as a guest at many different camps and retreats for athletes. So she's kind of out there doing some big things. I'll give you a little backstory. Paige and I met in a mastermind group a year ago, and it was definitely a place that solidified a lot of mindset shifts and created so much confidence for both of us as we embarked down the road to doing the inner work and finding clarity in what we were meant to do in this world. And let me just tell you, like I said, this lady is doing some big stuff in the lives of women and in athletes, and I think that's so important. As we dive into this episode, I want you to think through the big picture, the business you're creating, what that looks like in five years, the income you want to create, what that will enable you to do, give, have, and even more I want you to think through the biggest barrier you are encountering to achieve that. So here we go, y'all. It is my honor and privilege to invite any guest on these airwaves, but it is a special honor to invite someone with whom I spent 12 arduous months laughing, crying, being coached through some of the really hard stuff. I think that makes us bound in experience at minimum for life. Girl, you're stuck with me. I am forever your cheerleader and advocate.
1: Yeah, I, (laughs) that's a great way to put it, Alicia. You're like crying, laughing, all the things. I think your audience will appreciate this. And I vividly remember you doing literally all the things. I mean, I remember you showed up to each call a hundred percent, even if you're 100% from day to day with your busy full-time job wasn't your typical 100%. And you were always multitasking. I remember you cooking eggs in the kitchen, sitting down and waking up after sleeping odd hours because of your rigorous schedule. So I just commend you for what you're doing because you're definitely an example of uh, doing all the things.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much because I think we can all easily forget our own past and where we've come from and where we've, you know, come to and what we've overcome along the way. So I thank you for taking me down that little memory lane. (laughs) That was such a great time and also a very stressful time in my life. So I know that we were both in the mastermind, as I said. I really want to know what truly created the initiative. For you to join and for you to venture into the area of coaching that you're now in?
1: I've answered this question so many times over and over. And I really, really love to answer this question. So I think stories and and pathways to where we get started are so valuable because it connects us to one another. And I hope anybody listening can feel a connection to one of us or both of us in our stories. But essentially, mine starts like trying a lot of different things. Um, I was just speaking to a recreation and sport management class at the University of Arkansas. And I was answering this for freshmen and sophomores in college. And it was really cool because it was actually in one of the recreation and sport management master classes where one of my three aha moments occurred. So I felt like those students could really swim in the pool with me there. So the three serendipitous moments that I like to describe are that led me to where I'm at now with my business are first and foremost, I am currently still a director of softball operations at the University of Arkansas, Wu Pig, and um, it's it was a dream job when I first started because I was a division one athlete. I played softball at the University of North Carolina. And then did a lot of things after college, but found my way back into athletics, this time in the SEC, which was really big. And it was being around those college coaches all of the time in my role where I started to feel really guilty and out of alignment, but I didn't know that at the time. So I remember listening to my coaches, and they would be talking about who was the next big recruit or what head coaching jobs were changing or. Which athletes were looking at which schools? And it was almost a chore to be at the forefront of that information, which I was trying to be, to be in those coaching conversations. And I remember one moment in particular, as clear as day, where I was sitting in my office and the coaches kept talking about this double play over and over and over. And it had happened in the game the night before. And I was thinking, okay, guys we know how many ways it could be executed, like get over it. And I, I remember feeling pretty sassy and kind of rolling my eyes. And then in the next moment I thought, okay, well, if I could talk about one thing over and over and over, like they did, what the hell would it be? And am I allowed to cuss on here? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're fine. (laughs) Okay. And I was like, yeah, what the hell would it be? And, and then I started thinking about, um, motivation and, So put a pin in that. That was kind of one moment. And then I was also getting my master's in recreation and sport management, just like I touched on. And we had to write a thesis. And I thought that it was going to be on nutrition for me. So I started reading all these crazy science articles with lab rats and and this really intense science-y stuff. And this is a girl that was a journalism major in undergrad and had only taken astronomy. So I didn't really know anything I was reading and I ran into my professor's office and I was like, this is not making sense, but I think this is where I want to go. And he was like, well, have you considered motivation and behavior? And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Thank you. So that was pin number two, ended up writing my thesis on motivation and the third thing was that I ended up hiring Lindsay, which is Alicia and I's former coach and who we did um, our sole CEO group with. And I hired her and that was my first taste of it, of like getting into the coaching world. So all three of those moments kind of led up to this Really sweet concoction of, okay, this feels right. This resonates with me and I'm going to start on this path. And then, um, as I'm sure we'll get into, I mean, it's shifted into the niche or niche. I've heard it a million times. Who knows? But what I'm in now.
0: Very cool. So I always think it's interesting to hear how people end up in their niche, niche, whatever, because I think so often new coaches and new entrepreneurs feel forced to find a niche and I love that you naturally found yours because it was something that you were already really good at, right? And so a lot of times when I am talking to somebody new and they're asking about going into coaching or going into business and they're so focused on the what You know, like, what do I want to do and what do I want to coach on? It often goes back to what you're really passionate about. So I love that. Like, what can you talk about all day, every day that makes you feel just so damn good? And like, you bring it up whether people want to hear it or not, right? Like, that's the thing. And so I love hearing you say that. Now, I know you get to see a lot of different athletes, and I think these young individuals also represent our emerging business owners out there. So some of them will make it to starting ranks, and some of them will forever ride the bench, right? Like, I'm sure you see the different levels of ability. What have you seen as the biggest difference between those who make it and those who sit and watch?
1: What a loaded question. I am by no means an expert on everybody, but in the athletes that I've worked with, belief is the number one thing. And I can understand where that sounds very frustrating to hear because I don't know if you can relate, but I remember hearing belief and I'm like, damn it. I believe in myself. Why aren't the results coming? And I say belief because belief is kind of the first step that guides you to some um, inspired action. So for example, one of the stories I hope our golf coach is fine with me sharing, but she's incredible. And when she was golfing in college, she was playing for um, competing for Alabama and she was an All-American. She was pretty incredible, but she literally made the SEC, she convinced herself that it stood for her SHADA SD's conference, like her own conference. And she had a mantra that she also said before every competition. And I, I absolutely love that example because your brain is going to default to all of the reasons why you're not good enough. We already know this. Creating awareness around that is helpful, but then inviting new pathways of thinking. Is extremely important, especially to an athlete's success. Because when you default to those negative thought patterns, whether you're in your business, you're in your sport, you're in a relationship, you act from that space too. And as an athlete, when shit hits the fan and you're not, and you're in a slump, so to say, or things aren't going your way, and it just starts to snowball, and it snowballs to a place where if you have all of your value, and who you are associated in your performance in that sport or the success in your business and however you define that, that is just extremely detrimental to who you are. And so understanding that the belief in yourself doesn't just come from one aspect of your life, but comes from many different facets has been really huge for the female athletes that I work with. So I'd say belief first and foremost, but also owning where you're at now. So What I mean by that is I see a lot of athletes and my personal testimony as an athlete is kind of a good example of this, but I was, I didn't have a ton of playing time my first few years and I was kind of a brat. I was stuck in my head and I was, I was, uh, just trying to do too many things. Like I was playing behind an all American, expecting myself to be an all American, which is fine, but there was a lot of steps to get there. And I wasn't owning where I was right then. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I got from my current business coach was, she said, just start where you're at instead of reaching for all of these different things. So where I was at, I looked at my clientele and I'm like, they're all athletes. (laughs) They are all athletes. So you know, I'm going to go ahead and and speak to these women that are are finding me for a reason. And it seems like a no brainer. Like, you know, you might be thinking, okay, duh Paige. Like this is what you're doing in your, in your life. You're an athlete. And and this is your other, you know, your other job. But, uh, it, it wasn't as obvious for me. And so the belief in oneself, owning where you're at right now, and then also minding your own damn business. Like again, going back to my personal experience as an athlete, (laughs) I attributed to my playing time. Oh, my coach has favorites, or does politics? I can't tell you how many parents I hear, and I it is very hard for me <laughs> to listen to because it's like coaches at the end of the day want to win; their livelihood depends on it. They're going to put forth the best players possible to help them win. So, politics, I don't think I would argue, doesn't have a huge play in that, which is contrary to popular belief and. When I say minding your own business, that means not getting wrapped up in, oh, coach is playing favorites or you know, so-and-so doesn't need to be playing in that position. The coach is hired for a specific reason, let her do her job or him or her. And my job was just to put forth my best effort and, and look in my lane and control the things I could control. But I was exhausting a lot of energy staying in other people's business versus my own. And I think that that really hindered where I could have been, but I I do use that as a platform now to coach from when I speak to young athletes, especially softball players. So I am thankful for that now. Absolutely. I
0: actually have an episode called earmuffs, blinders, and your high heels. And that's where this came from. It's like, put the blinders on, stay in your lane because, and I came up with this literally because I was so in my head looking at other people's businesses, right? So like you can easily relate athletics or relationships or really anything to how you're going to build your business. If you're a nosy body in life and you're looking at everybody else's crap, then you're going to be doing it in business. And it's such an easy place to get into comparison mode. And all businesses are trying to make money and money is an essential part of life. And so if you're really stuck in it, then you're in survival mode and your brain is like, Cramped. It is really just trying to figure out how not to die, right? Because it believes it's gonna die without making the money. And so yeah, I totally understand that. Like put the blinders on, put the earmuffs on. Don't listen to the noise. Stay in your lane. And I added the high heels because girl, they make me feel confident. <laughs> I mean, come on now. 411, you gotta rock some five inches. So Tell me this, what shift do you think allows a team to truly come together as more than just each of its individual talents and goals to win? Because we all want to win in life, in business, everywhere, but I think this also really correlates a lot to business, and I know we have listeners who are wondering how to stack their team and how to bring them together, and that's something you probably coach on and in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I go back to with my athletes and my clients is trust. And trust is is one of those just human components. So, at the base of, of all of us, no matter where we're from, there are some base layers of human components. And one of which is to be acknowledged and understood. And if we can show that we have a vested interest in another human being and like, you know, my interest in your success and having known you over the course of the year, I was like, yes, absolutely. I want to jump on this podcast. And it's the same kind of thing in athletics or in business. It goes back to that saying, the old and often repeated one that says, like, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's so true. I feel like I've recently hired a coach, uh, I guess it was about a month ago, who just freaking cares. And I, it, it's a two-way street. So obviously, you know, there's a piece of me that's like 100% believing in that. And so I feel that. But um, it just goes back to the base of humanity. We want to be seen and understood. And we need to feel that and trust that before we can reach another person. So if I start at the root of that, that's pretty instrumental to fostering a really great team as well. And I'm lucky enough to work under a head coach in our softball program who oh my God, just thinking about her and the shift that she's had in my life, personally, professionally, and watching her as a leader has been incredible because she's extremely present. And you can tell when she's, she's there listening, she's there. And she, and and that allows you to trust her. And she also gives it back to you. Yeah. She's a leader of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars program. I mean, it's massive, but she also will ask me for my opinion and ask me what I think about this. And I think that's really huge. So one way that you can build that trust, because I don't want to just throw that out there. I want to give you some tangibles is really listening and being present. And I've really been working on that personally and I've added um, meditation. and, And that's been something that's so foreign to me because as an athlete, it's been, okay, work, 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 or practice, 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 or my shows and workouts are CrossFit. And it's like balls to the wall for however many minutes the lot is. And and I really like free workout and hype music and all the things, but it's the very opposite of sitting still and meditating. But I have found a profound shift in my life and being present in conversations, remembering people's names and all of those things. And I think it's Instrumental to building a, a successful program. The other thing I want to touch on that I think is super vital, and I hope all of you can relate to this, is like tough conversations do not mean that you don't like somebody. Tough conversations are huge in a team. If you look at a teammate and you say, I, yeah, good job, great, you know, good work, and go on about your business. And later your teammate finds out you thought otherwise about her or about a situation you're literally saying you can't handle the truth. I don't trust you. You're not human enough or you're not good enough to handle the truth. That's what you're saying. You're not actually saving them from anything. And that's huge. Like if you start to be honest, your teammates will respect you even more. And think about the close friendships you have in your life. Are they just your cheerleaders or are they really the people that care and are willing to have those hard conversations? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so
0: much. And it also really lends to your own integrity, right? Like there's a level of tact, obviously, that we all kind of need to learn and can grow into as we have those hard conversations. But how do you grow into that if you don't actually have them and you avoid them your whole life? And then you walk around in total unalignment and thinking things about them and acting in a way toward them that isn't aligned because you actually think something very different and people start to question, your integrity because they feel the unalignment, right? So it's like, yeah, girl, I love your outfit. And then you walk behind you're like, that looks terrible. Like it's the same concept, you know, you really just need to be straight with people. And I, I think that it can sometimes look really blunt, but it's appreciated by the right people. So I'm going to give you a moment of honesty, actually. Tell me this. I used to do a lot of onstage and guest speaking when I was in my network marketing companies, but I haven't done it as a coach. And so I'm always really curious about this. How nervous are you when you stand in front of a group of young, impressionable athletes? How do you find the words to shape them, inspire them? And how nervous are you in doing that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm laughing at this question right now only because, I guess, only because of thinking about my journey. I, for some reason, I didn't know that I would be a coach. I knew I would be successful. I always had that confidence. I have this persistence and determination that I feel like um, I, I trust a lot. When I was younger, I mean, I think I was in fifth grade when I was our class president and I wore these absurd high heel boots and this dress that I probably didn't need to be wearing in the fifth grade. And I remember wanting to speak in front of my class. And I remember this growing up. I used to love sharing my paper, doing public speaking in my classes. And I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. I just thought this is something I love. And I didn't realize that people didn't. But when I would stand up in front of people, I would get nervous. I mean, I'm I, but it was almost like I enjoyed the thrill of the the butterflies and the thrill Mm -hmm. of getting over that and getting into what I call the sweet spot. But I think it comes from, you know, just practicing and trying it. And I guess now that we're talking about it, looking back over being, um, writing and doing public speaking for classes, you know, uh, from elementary to middle to high school to college and my master's, I always enjoyed that. So, so I guess that helped develop a level of confidence, but getting up and and talking in front of a group about some really big takeaways always makes me nervous. I, I know the first time that I got up in front of Power Anthem, which is an annual event we do in Atlanta for, um, softball players in one of my best friends facilities we had like 65 people show up the first time. And I didn't see everybody in the crowd until I emerged from her office and walked out. And I remember in that moment being like, (laughs) bullshit, here we go. And there's no turning back. And so now I'm, I'm comfortable enough in the setting where I know the first like, I would say 10 to 20 seconds, I feel that like jitter and flutter in my chest. But I also know that as soon as that subsides, it's game on and it's really, really exciting. And I was thinking about this this past weekend when I was at this retreat that you have got to go to. I'm going to have to tell you more about it. But it was a health and wellness treat in um, Serenby, an hour south of Atlanta, and I was watching these public speakers, people that I've followed for a while, you know, Gabby Bernstein, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, author of Eat, Pray, Love. They were, they were talking and I was hanging on every freaking word, every word. And I was telling you my intention was to be present, but it made me reflect on the moments where I've been most present and it's with my clients and it's listening to public speakers that I'm just in love with the message And I thought to myself, man, I wonder if that's why I love public speaking is because I want to give other people opportunity to be just as present as I feel when I'm listening to that message. And then it's just fun to see what kind of creative flow comes because I feel like you can't always plan for what comes up. And I feel like I'm the best personally when I shoot from the hip and I'm goofy and I'm horny. And sometimes I say some things that... I think are hilarious and hopefully the crowd lasts too, but if not, you know, on to the next one. And so I think overall I enjoy the creativity, but I do know to expect those butterflies at least the first little snippet I walk out there. So
0: also on another episode, I discussed my before stage routine as being um, changing my shirt three times because I'd like sweat through each one of them. Definitely silk was out of the question. Um, If you could put me in wool maybe that would help. And I would shake like the microphone and my voice for the first like ah, 10, 15, 30 seconds and just pray that I wasn't going to drop the mic and have to shout from stage. I mean it's, yeah. But once I'm up there about, you know, 30 seconds in it's like, okay. I'm okay now, Alicia, nothing has happened. We are not dead. So I love that you are just like a natural born speaker. You can tell it just flows and you were meant to do that for sure. So I know that your clients are getting to see you as such a genuine example in your own achievements, obviously from, gosh, reading your accolades and knowing your accolades from the highest ranking GPA on your roster to achieving your master's in recreation and sport management to all of your speaking engagements and leadership activities. But what is the one thing that you want the women you encounter and coach to know and feel by the time they leave their work with you?
1: Man, you asked some really great questions. I mean that because the one thing that Comes to mind. And it's not a premeditated thought here because I'm definitely going to have to answer that from the heart. But the one thing that I hope my clients come away with and walk away with at each and every session and at the ter- at the end of our contract, whenever that may be, is that anything is in stealing Marie Forleo's word, doable. Anything is doable, and it might take some practice in a thought shift. It might take some practice in understanding that feelings are seasonal and they don't define you. It might take, you know, dumping a lot of the stuff that's culminated over the years about who you think you are and the stories that you built. But anything that you truly want to do is doable and it's, you can find a way. And that's the one thing that I love about coaching is that I'm sure you can relate. It's, it's just like this, like, beautiful collaboration. And I and I say collaboration truly because like one of my clients and I just had this conversation where she said uh, she was sharing a rela- this a strained relationship with her brother and he doesn't live here in town and he came into town to visit her and they really butt heads a lot of the time he had never been here and she's lived here for quite a few years but it was you know obviously really great that he decided to come and it was a little bit strained and she said initially in. The- in the beginning of our session, she said, "I know that you have to give what you're looking to expect from people. So, in other words, I know you have to give more love if you want to receive love. It's just not like a take, take, take." So she says this in the beginning of the conversation. At the end, uh, towards the end of the session, she says, "You know, I just really wanted him to see that I'm doing it here. You know, I'm successful. I have really great friends, and I'm doing all the things." And I said, "Okay, let me just ask you a few questions." She said so what do you feel like would be really vulnerable for him? And she said, well, God, he doesn't give me any affirmation. I said, okay, so that's pretty vulnerable for him. And she said, yeah, probably so. He's really closed off. He's emotionally unintelligent, all the things. And then I said, okay, well, what would what's tough for you with your brother? And she's like, well, it's really tough to just talk to him. And I said, okay, so let me ask you this. Did you tell him how much you appreciated him making the trip he said, no, I didn't. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I said, well, you just miscoach myself. You just told me that what you give, what you were looking for, you have to give tenfold if that's really truly what you want. And she's like, Okay, and I said, so what would you have to do to be vulnerable with your brother? And she's like, well, I guess I would have to tell him that. And it was a really sweet moment because it is a collaboration, and it's our client success is not one hundred percent up to us. It's a beautiful collaboration, and it's a hundred percent session. So if my one hundred percent is only fifty percent of the conversation, and she's showing up at like I don't know twenty percent, and that. Her 50%, we're only at 70%. I'm not a math person, but I was just thinking about that today and I was thinking, okay, one, don't screw this up when you say it. And two, I hope it makes a lot of sense. It's a really beautiful collaboration and it takes two people. Um, and so that's the one thing that I would say is that anything's doable. And the other thing that I wanted to say is that I told you I was at this retreat this weekend. Um, And one of the lines that Dr. Joe Dispenza said has just been reoccurring in my mind over and over and over, which is kind of um, ironic considering what the line is. But he said, you're either making decisions from predictions based on your memory or creations built from the vision of your future. So in other words, tomorrow is either predicted by memories of your past or created by visions of your future. And you can really literally change your life by changing your mind. And so that's why I say anything is doable because it takes the thought to get there. And there's a lot of tools that us as coaches really work to implement for you in your life.
0: Yes, so much yes. And I love how so many things to unravel and decompact in there. But I love the if you show up at 100% and you're 50% of the conversation and they show up at 20, then they're 20%. So you're at 70%. And I fully understand that and feel that I had a client once who as our contract ended actually said, you know, that she wished that there was an outline at the beginning, so she knew what to expect along the way. And so I think that that's really important, what you just said there, that it is a collaboration, and it's how you show up to every call. I can't tell you at the beginning that if you show up at 100% that you're going to come out on the other end at 100%, because I don't know how you're going to show up at every call, right? Like, if I know you show up at the first one at 100%, that doesn't mean that you're going to come out at 100%. So, and I think the collaboration like you just you know depicted there with your client it's an unraveling of different thoughts and behaviors and emotions in the call so you can't really outline it or create it ahead of time right so you may start off thinking you're coaching in athletic mindset and athletic behaviors and by the end you're like talking about money mindset and the investment she made yesterday like you just never know and that's a beautiful thing about coaching I love that so much. And I also love that quote. I'm going to have to have you type that to me later because I want to remember that. So I know that there are women out there with young daughters, athletes, and they themselves will definitely see the benefits of a high performance mindset on and off the field. How can they find you? How can they work with you? What are you currently offering?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. So right now I am taking on six new clients and I'm doing it now because of my job with operations for softball. So February to late May or early June, depending on how far we get, I have not as much freedom. I don't have as much freedom to work on the marketing side of my business. And so I'm going to book my clients out and work through that time with a select few women. And I'm working with current and former female athletes. So if at any point there's an athlete that or a female that's identified as an athlete, no matter what the sport or what the craft or what the creation, I want to work with you and I want to help you. And so if this speaks to you, there is a calendar on my Instagram page. It's at page underscore Renee 15. And you can sign up there and I'll do some discovery calls, just gearing up for 2020, baby. And I'm super pumped. Um, So that's one way. I also have a uh, calendar that I created. It's called the Daily Offense. And so the idea is to start your day on your terms instead of playing defense and trying to avoid the punches throughout the day. And I'm really proud of that piece. It's free. So my website is under construction right now. I have somebody super fantastic um, working on the layout, but it should be up shortly. Um, you can still access it. It's it's www.pagerenacoaching.com. Um but I don't think that the PDF is up there. I can send it to Alicia to share or um we can figure that out. But it is free and it's downloadable. It's awesome. And then, yeah, just connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. I mean, I just like to follow and get nosy and see what people are doing and aspiring to. And if if you have a daughter in your listening who is an athlete, I especially, I love all my clients, don't get me wrong, but I especially would love my younger clients because I feel like if I had somebody to share the things that I'm able to share with now when I was that age, you know, roughly from like, 14 to 18, the way that I viewed myself would have been drastically different. And we're so impressionable at that age. And I still feel like I'm like hip and young enough. Oh my God, I sound like a mom. <laughs> sound funny saying that. But I do feel, I still feel like that I have that feel and that connection. And I do work with, you know, 22 to 24, 18 to 22 year olds on a daily basis. So there is some connection there. I and mean, then I run our camps and clinics. So I'm still in the world a lot and I love working with young female athletes. So again, if anybody feels a pull to draw, to reach out or just want some advice, I'm happy to give it because I was, I was right there, you know, not too long ago.
0: I love that so much. And yes, absolutely. I will get all of your links, all of your information. You can go down into the show notes on this episode and you will be able to connect with Paige in every way possible. I know that there are so many women out there who will be impacted by her coaching, her teaching, her offensive playbook and everything that she's got going on because I love her to death. Amazing. I love watching her transformation. It's been a really fun ride. So I don't know about you all, But I am truly starting to look forward to these guest episodes. The perspective that these different women's experiences bring to the table, literally to the world of business as well, to creating the biggest thing you can possibly imagine is what makes every endeavor so unique. We, our collective values and beliefs and thoughts and strengths and what make our businesses and our lives our own. So as we end this episode, I would love to know what you connected on with Paige, with me. So tag us on Instagram at she's doing big things. Screenshot this episode. Let us know that you watched, you loved, and you connected with Miss Paige herself. You can also find the information to follow her and connect with her in the show notes below. So as always, bye-bye for now, but don't forget to take the information that you heard here and go forth into the world with your big ideas. Go bigger, make bank, live freer. Talk to y'all next time. What is up my darlings and doers? If you loved this podcast, please don't leave it behind. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and do us a huge favor. Give us a quick rating. It not only helps me to know where you're listening, but it also helps the new listener to find this podcast and become the next doing success story. So with that, I'm off to do some big things or help one of my amazing clients get her doing list done. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.